Start eight oh two one seven two zero two two. Welcome back to Star Trek Discovery Pod. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Moody Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett, Clyde. What was my last? Oh, Haynes. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Good, chilling. Excited to talk about this episode. Really excited. Tomorrow's Friday. All around, pretty good mood. Long Very weekend true. ahead. I'm excited. And this was a pretty good episode. So, yeah, I'm, I think I, I was watching it thinking, can't wait to talk to Mike and Mariah about it. Oh, I should just awesome. call you guys Eminem. <laughs> or collectively, I'll refer to you as Slim Shady. See? Be, say, right don't, don't call me Eminem. I am wearing a hoodie right now. See? People might get That's confused. <laughs> Very confusing. We could be M yeah. squared. I'm, I'm fine with like M squared. M squared. We're MG um, squared, technically. True. <laughs> uh, Grant Davis is visiting friends on the other side of a subspace corridor tonight, so he won't be with us. But we are glad you are with us because this week we're reviewing an awesome episode of Star Trek Discovery. Clyde, you tipped your hand. I'm going to tip my hand. I thought this episode was awesome. I'm just going to say that. Awesome. You'll find out why as we go on. It's uh, Rubicon, the ninth episode of Discovery Season 4, written by Alan McElroy, directed by Andy Armaganian. I mean, wow, what an episode. But before we dive into it, Clyde, can you remind everybody about the live chat? Well, yes, Mike, I'd be happy to. If you happen to be watching us live on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you watch our live stream, um, then if you want to, I don't know, participate with us, let us know your thoughts. And it's really simple. All you have to do is type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will see your comment. And when we get to that special moment, you'll know what I'm talking about in a second. When you have something that you want to share about this week's episode, you can share that by cat typing capital H, capital F, capital HF in the pod chat, and we will take a look, maybe even read it on air as we discuss. All right. We'll give you another call to action in a little while, but right now we're just going to jump right into it with some hot freaks. Hot freaks! So Grant is here with us, I guess. Uh, in our, <laughs> our our patented our version of the Wilhelm scream, which is Grant screaming, hot freaks. <clears throat> so if you are watching or listening to us for the first time, hot freaks are our quick hot takes on the episode we are reviewing. So if you're watching live, like Clyde said, please drop your hot freak about this episode in the comments and uh, in the chat. So okay, hot freaks disco season four episode nine. I could go first unless somebody else wants to go first. Go for you know, it, Mike. Mike. Yeah, you never go first. You go first. Go ahead. Jump in. All right. All right. Um, did you guys know this was like a really awesome episode? I, I mean, <laughs> what else is new, I, Mike? <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're tuning in for the first time, you're like, yeah, you're a Star Trek Discovery pod. You're going to like every episode. No, we, we come with the criticisms. But these past two since the show returned uh, this year has been really good. This was a really awesome episode. It was also a peculiar one for me because on the one hand, we had some of the best like Starship space action the show has ever done, which is saying a lot because Disco really does, you know, beautiful Starship action like all the time. And on the other hand, even though there was a lot of like Starship action, this episode was largely about everyone doing their absolute best to not have a Starship battle. Or like not come at the threat with blunt force or punitive action. So it was it was kind of fascinating for that reason. And I know we see this a lot in Star Trek where the main characters like lead with compassion and empathy. That's what Star Trek is all about, right? But I felt this episode, I think the writers made a decision to really lean into that idea really heavily in a great way. Um and I think it was called for because the antagonist here, like last week, was a friendly face, right, for our crew. It was Book and his magical transforming ship. I still don't understand that ship. Um, but that really worked for me, the, the fact that everyone was doing their best to not hurt anyone else. It felt like this whole episode was about that. Um, I can't. I have to say a few things. The return of Nan was done brilliantly. 
I love Nan. Uh, a lot of people were saying just bring her back on the show every episode. I get that, but like bringing somebody like Nan back like every now and then, just when you need her and when it makes sense, uh, I think it's great. Like in this episode, because like instead of sticking to like the tired trope of like an admiral or a badmiral like coming on the ship and second guessing everything Michael Burnham is doing because she's like obviously emotionally compromised in this mission, we get Nan, who's a friendly face who we know is a fair person and a total professional and it's going to do what's right for the mission. Right. So this led to some uh, really great camaraderie be between her and Michael, but like um, definitely some clashing, but it wasn't like bitter clashing of personalities. It was like a elevated clashing of ideas and approaches. Right. Which is what we want from Star Trek, something a little more elevated. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Again, Sonequa and David Ayala were great together here, even though they didn't like share a lot of the same space. But I could really, again, feel their heartbreak and their desire not to hurt each other, even though they're in such opposition here with their characters. I, I like that thread that we're getting in the back half of the season. Uh, I got to say something about Tarka. Fucking old Tarka had to fuck it all up. I like Sean Doyle. I think he does a good job with the character, but I don't, I'm not a fan of this character anymore because I didn't like that everyone on Discovery had a plan for like approaching book and de-escalating book, but no one really had a plan for, you know, Tarka's single-minded, you know, crazy agenda. He's obviously doing this for himself. And like Colbert said, hey, Tarka is a wild card. But they didn't have a plan for Tarka, and it was always going to be that Tarka's going to hit the fuck you button and fuck everything up. And nobody mm -hmm. thought about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess we're going to get where we have to get. But I mentioned Colbert real quick. I want to say how great. Mike, you're going through the whole episode. <laughs> Hot <laughs> break have... time, man. That's okay. I, this I is, still this got, is why I still I got go stuff first. to say. So, so he, I'm right. good with him. He, you're killing Mariah. But I, I, <laughs> you haven't stepped on my stuff yet. So. Knock yourself out. How great was it that um, they brought Colber on the mission to to confront Book at the beginning? You know, somebody who's uh, a therapist, a considerate ear, someone trained to help him and not just, you know, they didn't bring like a landing party full of armed soldiers ready to capture Book. They, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we don't need the police in this situation. We need someone with compassion, a social worker, a therapist, you know. It was really mirroring that that's that great social idea that's come up to the forefront in our society in the past couple of years. Now I love that. And who better to represent that on this show than Colbert, right? Again, the show is just leaning into that classic Star Trek theme of leading with empathy and compassion first. This, it was very clear in this episode. That's what that this show is doing. And I loved it. Very good. Very good episode. Okay. Sorry. Go. It's fine. It was uh, three minutes and 50 seconds for those who were counting. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty short. I thought it was going to be longer. Um, yeah. I mean, short and sweet for me. I really love this episode. There are things that I um, were I was a little frustrated with uh, plot wise, but we'll, we'll get into it as we discuss. Um, but I overall enjoyed it. I really think um, Burnham and Book make great adversaries. And I'm almost a little sad that the adversarial moment is over in a way. I kind of thought we could stretch it out a little bit. Um, but I'm glad they're not going to break up Burnham and Book forever. But <laughs> um, yeah, I also agree with you, Mike. I really enjoyed that Culver got to go on the mission. I thought that was some really great parallels for things that's going on currently in society. Um, I also enjoyed that Tarka didn't get what he wanted at the end. So I, I felt that kind of sweet moment there. Um, and Saru, for me, is the ultimate winner of this episode because uh, his moment with Culver at the end being like, how does one date? Adorable. And I loved it. I mean, I, I think we definitely need to get Saru like a, a big Kango hat, right? <laughs> and a cane, because he be pimping. I'm just saying, no. Um, I, I agree. I look, I love this episode. I thought this was a great episode. So, a, a few things that stood out to me one, I, 
I didn't I look, I didn't love Tarka hitting that button. To me, the minute that he sent those torpedoes out, he needed to be locked out of the system. Like he needed to be no buttons around him, period. Um, and so I, I thought that was a little bit of a a little bit of a fail. Um there are a couple things in here that I really love. So two big ones were kind of the conversation between Reese and Bryce in the shuttle. And the reason why is I was having a conversation with um, a couple people this week. You know, it's, you know, if you're listening to this live, if, if you're listening to this on the podcast in February, it's black history month. And one of the things that comes up often is when you, when you say the word black or African-American in particular, you, it's easy to think of this as, as one monolith, right? One homogenous group of people and nothing could be further from the truth. I think that we've fallen into a similar trap with Starfleet and we've, we think of Starfleet and the Federation as this monolith is that, Oh, they all have the same ideas. They all have the same concerns. And that's largely because that's what we've been fed, you know, and this episode this franchise has challenged that and what we saw was reese and bryce disagree about something right vehemently and i think that is indicative unfortunately about how we deal with each other um but the fact that they can kind of come together and and put aside their differences really interesting so i love that i thought that was a really interesting thing to kind of uncover and dig into and the biggest thing for me that had me smiling from ear to ear was the space battle, right? I mean, it's so interesting when I was reflecting on the fact that we don't get very many space battles in Star Trek. And I'm thinking like, it's almost like they know it's what we want, but they won't give it to us. <laughs> and it, it made me think of like another incredible franchise in Battlestar Galactica. And with BF with BSG, there's always fights. You you know they jump in those 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 fighters and they go, right? And you love it every time you hear the music and they got cool names. The right, like Starbuck is the best. Starbuck, like you've got your heroes, and it's effectively a space Top Gun, right? Now you can say whatever you want to about the actors who played those characters. But if you saw Top Gun in the 80s, it, <laughs> it has a space in your heart where you're just like, you, you, you know, fall in love with volleyball, <laughs> you fall in love with ball, volleyball. Like if you if I say I have a need, a need for speed, you smile. Right. Look, it turns out those are some of the corniest lines. And some of those scenes were mm, they were OK. We we got that in this episode. Like we got this 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 strategic fighting. We're gonna you know spore drive on spore drive. That was awesome, right? Plus you toss it toss in the fact that you've got a Federation starship that can cloak and not get in trouble. I mean, this was amazing. I thought that battle was. I I, I signed up for it. I give me more of that and so i thought that was just incredible um and then yeah then non coming back i thought was cool too like i i you know i've always been a fan of non um i i'm a little disappointed that she's leaving again but i thought that they did a really good job with her learning something right and mike to your point it wasn't this this foil who just shows up and is gonna be wrong and aggressive but there was a moment in there where we got to see Burnham teach non something a lesson that was hard for her to learn like this mentoring um yeah this was a special episode like this is this was a really good episode we can talk about all the dynamics between Burnham and and book and and all this other stuff but I generally enjoyed this episode a lot we got yeah. some hot <clears throat> hot breaks in the chat um I'm gonna bring some of them up uh oh to your one of your points Marge says the cloaking effect was very impressive. It, I agree. Was, was was that not the coolest cloaking that you've seen? And they didn't have to steal the cloak from another ship. I'm just saying. Like, Legal usually cloaking. in all of Star Trek. Yeah. Legal cloaking. Uh, Choopy says, it hit me when my disco friend who watches with me said, quote, this was such a sad episode. 
The season is not about the mystery box. It's about what the mystery box does to everyone in their relationships. That is a really well put point, isn't it? Because I think before this season started, a lot of us in the fandom were like, okay, Space Anomaly doing weird gravitational rift shenanigans. It's the the red angel all over again we're going to be searching for what this is but there and there is part of that going on there is some like mystery box trope this season but uh chupi has a great point here this is very much even more than than previous seasons um about not just the reactions the crew has to this mysterious force that is super destructive out there in the galaxy but it's about what it does to them internally, what it does to their relationships and how they have to adapt to those changing dynamics between each other um, and their situation. So super good point, Jupy. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I saw some criticisms online too about just like how the season is feeling a lot like last season and that we're going to have to get to the last episode to know like what's inside the box, you know, but I feel like we might get a glimmer of who this species is earlier. And my clue is the title of this episode, um, which I, I'm surprised, Mike, you didn't bring up. It is a reference to a Deep Space Nine episode. <laughs> and it is when U- the beginning... USS Rubicon, yeah. The USS Rubicon and essentially the the Dominion Wars. And so, uh, and also it's derived from like uh, Latin Caesar times, the things you... you Beyond the point of no return. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and typically it's that's a signal for war. Right. So I think mm-hmm. if in future seasons, we're essentially setting up our big bad for multiple um, moments going forward. Right. We're setting up a pretty big conflict. So to me, this is that turning point, which I would then I would hope prior to the finale, we're going to get to know who this new species is and start yeah. and like we're going beyond the galaxy's edge, right? So we're going to start a true intergalactic war. <laughs> well, That's super exciting. Yeah. Like I, um, Lynn says, well, first she says, hi, everybody. I haven't oh, seen no. the episode because it hasn't dropped in Australia. But Lynn has a great point. I'm wondering if Species 10C is going to be Discovery's Big Bad, like you were saying, Mariah. Mm-hmm. Like the Zindi war for Enterprise and the Borg war for Voyager. It feels like we're leading there, right? Like... Like maybe if we're going to go a couple more seasons, we're going to be fighting the 10 C because we just blew up their, their space scraper and now they're pissed. Right. Right. Although they were able to get out of here before more spoils. Um, (laughs) You know, they were able to essentially relaunch another DMA. So this is going to be a species that is like far and above anything they've ever encountered before. So I, I feel like it's going to be, Uh, a war of the nerds right it's going to be about scientific advancement and like i feel like that is also something that's really exciting to me see i I think that oh i was gonna say i I think that there's going to be a bit of a diplomatic discussion right Mm -hmm. because i think what we've seen is for i felt the the tension right the emotional buildup of you know, book wanting to destroy this thing and the Federation going, we've got to stop. This is going to be such a big deal. They're going to like, we all assumed that they were going to be so just grieved by the loss of this thing. Right. That it was, it's going to be ready to start a war. Right. And what I think I feels like what no one saw coming is that it was going to get destroyed and they were going to replace it in a manner of moments like like I dropped a pen, <laughs> right? Oh, I can't right. find that pen. All right, let me go in my bag is- and get another one. <laughs> like, like th- that's got to be a little unnerving when yeah. you go, this is the most devastating thing we've ever seen. And to you, it's casual. Right. This would be like if somehow an animal figured out a way to like destroy, I don't like a like a corn harvesting machine, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Like in the grand scheme of things, which if you are this like small creature and you're like, oh, we've taken it down, this monstrous thing that's destroying all of our fields. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, the next day there's another one. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
it, I mean, we the Federation must just be ants to species 10C. So mm -hmm. it's going to be pretty wild if they do become the antagonists. How are we going to deal with that? And I, I, do, I do think we are setting up, the show is setting us up for that because we did get references to, I think, Bryce working with Zora and Cronenberg on trying to find species 10C and trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to communicate with them. So that seems like a big deal that's bubbling in the background. It's going to come to the surface and, and mean something. Um, just going through some of these comments. So Carmen has a great, a great comment. Um, the middle ground is present at so many levels in this episode, such good writing. And I think that's really true. What I was, what I was talking about in my super long uh, hot freak was was kind of about this right about people um trying to do everything they can to get to the same solution but trying to do it in a a peaceful diplomatic way and when they actually found the middle ground when they finally got there and realized book realized yeah i can chill for a week and we can figure this out um that was uh it was so impactful to me as a viewer because i knew that's where we needed to get to. Um, but then Tarka fucked it up. But what do you yeah. guys think about that? Well, that's this is where this is where my conflict with uh, with some of the the plot of this episode. So tell me if I'm getting this incorrect. The plan that Nan brought aboard. No, said, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. Oh, wait, the plan that, that, that Nan brought aboard says we destroy their ship before they can send off this weapon. Correct. Mm -hmm. yes. However, if you destroy the ship, it ignites the weapon, which would then still, if anything, at least cause some damage to the DMA, which would, to me, still signal an act of war. I don't think if I, if I saw something get destroyed, I'm going to care about the nuances of, oh, we were trying to stop these two people who, yes, do work for us and, yes, developed all this technology but under I, us. I and think... Like I I think that was part of the thematic point because any type of aggressive action here would have led to a really negative outcome, not just that people would die, but that we might initiate a war anyway. So like them sciencing and nerding, nerding right. out to find yeah. that middle ground was what was so satisfying. Right. That, that I all agree with. To me, it just is like, what was the Federation's plan? Like, they're like, hey, non, we're going to give you these secret plans, which is still blow it up like i don't know i just felt like that side of things was very underthought out <laughs> well and, and i think the other thing about that you know i i agree mariah that it was it, it felt like a little short-sighted because not only are you gonna do that damage but th the other issue is there is a realistic possibility that you're going to destroy discovery in the process and both and of your both of your sport drives <laughs> Yes, you, you've got two spore drives and you're going to destroy both of them and you might damage the DMA. So if right. 10C comes looking for you, your two most powerful yeah. weapons are gone. Yeah, that's a bad plan. Yeah, I was like, it's a just terrible plan. Another, <laughs> another example of this 32nd century Starfleet needing Michael Burnham, right? They don't know what the hell they're doing. They need um, Michael Burnham to tell them what to do. And then my only other big qualm is when we finally get, we get our beautiful middle path here, right? Burnham and Book see eye to eye. He agrees. Yes, let's wait. Let's try to figure this out. Let's not have this conflict. I see your way. You see mine. Um, is If I'm Michael Burnham and I know that Tarka just shot a whole bunch of stuff at my ship because she knows it's not Book, why are you going to turn your little shuttle around and fly off like nothing is going to go wrong? Like, I'd be like, beam Tarka over to the shuttle immediately. Or I'd be like, you better be following me. You better. So so what I want, it's like, if Michael's going to turn around because she somehow trusts that Book has it under control, I wanted a, a bigger conflict between Book and Tarka in that moment like give me a fight to hit the button at least like yeah. give me because I, I also wanted to punch Tarka in the face so if I can see yes. book at least throw a jab while you're struggling to hit the button it's going to make me feel better about it in some way like he was just standing there and you know Tarka's yeah. going to do something it's like mm -hmm. don't turn your back on that guy that was a part of this this episode that was kind of a uh, it just didn't make any sense I was no like, one was I'm really 
no one was really considering Tarka. Yes, he's a wild card, but not really because you know he's going to do everything in his power to right. achieve what he wants to achieve. So you just kind of need to take him out, not kill him, but remove him from uh, a position in which he can affect the outcome. Like to as your point, possible. Mike, to your point, you know, we keep looking at Tennessee as the big bad, but for weeks now, Tarka is the villain. He serves only himself, and at every turn, he is turned out to be untrustworthy and villainous. Right? And to you don't, your point, you don't fuck with another man's ship. You, what did you, you, there, you just don't. There's a lot you don't do. First of all, don't. he stole the spore drive. Mm -hmm. He shot torpedoes at you. You never turned your back on this dude. In fact, yeah. you probably should have stunned him. The you minute that dude brought up game theory, you should be, you're out. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's a TV thing where you got to wait to let someone finish. And I just would have thought, you know what? Yeah. We can have this conversation later. Yeah. The, the minute I'm he, shooting you now, we'll, we'll, we'll have this conversation in safe space. The, the second he added the instant kill button on book ship, it's like, no, no, yeah. you're out. You're locked out. Um, well, yeah. Has a, Mike, that's a really good yeah. point. Um, I might have turned around the minute that you look over and you're thinking, wow, these people might die because, well, Tarka clearly doesn't care. I, it feels as though Book understands if Starfleet dies in this process, there's no coming back from that, right? Like you, you not only can you not come back from that, you are now be you, your ship and your cat are probably all an enemy. And I felt like, I, I kind of felt like there was a moment there where Burnham could have and maybe should have said, book, we know how to destroy your ship. Right? We're, we're not yeah. like, I'm trying, I'm the only thing between you and sudden death. Like this is, we're, this is not a game anymore. I agree. And Lise said Tarka's personality is the polar opposite of our disco crew. So we're not as invested in his cause, but he is operating from the same space as book grief and anger. There will be a payoff for the audience. What do you so, want the payoff with Tarka to be? And I agree with that. He's definitely operating out of grief and anger. I think what could be possible, right? Because his like partner, I'm assuming the person that he loves, the reason that this is all like his grief is there, right? Like they're going to meet in this other dimension. That's why he needs the big powerful thing. And I think I've said this before, but what if the, the DMA and like 10C like is his old partner who in this other dimension has been trying to get back to him? And so inevitably Tarka is the reason for all of this and we can all hate him <laughs> that that could be interesting Chupi does say i wonder if tarka now having lost everything which was a great moment for me um has to be the one that turns this around would they do that make tarka the way to get out of this so are we going to go back to tarka and use his his big brain to to help us you know fix the situation i don't know i think that's a I don't let me rephrase it. Well, I was gonna say something, I'm gonna change my mind in mid-sentence. I don't know. The reason why I don't know is because discovery is different. If this was a prior incarnation of Star Trek, I would say absolutely. That is how they would move. Is that the 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 self-centered Uber scientist is the one who helps them out of the trap. That is that's a typical Star Trek move. Mm -hmm. Discovery and where we are now, writing is different. Mm -hmm. Plot devices are different. You know, the the entire flow of of the story is different. So while I expect it, I don't know. I yeah, and I I wonder too because I know they've been using the DMA as sort of their uh, metaphor for the pandemic, right? In that mm -hmm. it is a problem that everyone has to work together to solve. Is like sort of the 
the big overarching um, message they're trying to send, right? And I feel like the conversation really became through the pandemic, like you have to stop thinking about yourself and you have to start thinking about others, right? And Tarka is really our last character who's seemingly only thinking of himself. So to your point, Clyde, does he fight it in the end or does he somehow <laughs> see the error in his ways? I don't know. I've lost most of my faith in humanity. So I'm more on the, like, he's going to just continue to be a piece of crap and get to try to get what he wants. And inevitably Tark that's going to harm other people. <laughs> you're so right. I think you're so right. Like Tarkus, the guy, like you go to home Depot to get whatever you need. And Tarkus, the guy who's in line and he's like, Hey man, did you get the jab? Yeah. Well, how do you, it doesn't, like people are still getting sick with it. Do you do you do you like right. uh, regret getting it? So dumb, right? Huh? It doesn't do anything. That's Tarka, right? Yeah, Tar Tarka's yeah, the guy with no mask on who's definitely within six feet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was. That's exactly what I was gonna say, Mariah. I, I see your analogy. The question is, at the end of this, will will Tarka realize that so many people have gotten sick? So many people have even close to him now has have been hurt that he finally decides to wear a mask maybe get get a jab i i don't know like you a lot of my faith in humanity is a little busted right now i'm i'm kind of taking a wait and see approach yeah, yeah but we can have faith in each other I mean, I guess it's like, right, Star, Star Trek is supposed to be the universe we want it to be, right? It doesn't have to be what it currently is. It's the commentary on what it currently is. So then to keep going around and around this circle, Clyde, like, would be to, to then Tarka would have, have a character turn in some way, shape or form and, well, and see the error in his ways. And I think, I think the disappointing part to me and Lise says he just really needs the power source to return to his universe. But yeah, it's also um, singular. He he needs the power source to return right. to his universe. Like the, I think the thing that disappoints me in this is he is locked on. We you know we talk about middle ground. He is locked on to one solution for his issue, right? And I think that's also interesting is that, and this is to me is just a metaphor for life, is we get so consumed about our issue. And that we don't really share it with anyone. Because the truth is, the only person who knows is Book. So he is, it's it's this moment where he has decided to confide in someone who is grieving and as hurt as he is. So that they now both kind of just play off each other without actually talking to someone who might be able to help. And then therefore change his mind or offer a, a alternative solution. That's where Tark is at. And so I kind of wish that he would share this with someone else. And you have no idea. To, you know, I think this, there's a subtle line that we keep hearing in many of these episodes is that Zora, you know, Discovery has the entire, you know, history of the spore drive. You know, is it possible that Zora might be able to help him find a different solution than blowing up a DMA and starting an intergalactic war? I don't know. One would hope. I mean, our our crew has gone through many dimensions, many different mirror universes, yeah, traveled know. through time. It's just like, bro, did you not read the whole file? Like <laughs> right. someone on this ship can probably help you out without you having That's, to do yeah, to, to your point, we've come 10,000 years in the future, right? Uh, we've been to a mirror universe. We had a captain from a mirror universe and we sent a mirror universe. Well, actually, we have two captains from a mirror universe and sent a mirror universe to we don't even know where. Like the stuff that this crew has been through. If there's anybody that you want to take a, a roll on the dice and just go, hey, you think you guys might be able to help? You got some ideas? It's probably these dudes. Just it's, saying. It's his arrogance. I mean, he walks into Discovery like, I know everything. I know so much more than you do. You can't teach yeah. me anything and i already have the solution and uh i'm going to manipulate uh someone great like book while he's in grief not because i care about this thing that might harm millions and millions of people no because i just want to you know get get to my my world where i think i belong where people will will uh recognize my genius because it's so elevated there how yeah what a prick yeah <laughs> oh uh michael l 
Ooh, fantastic comment. Tarka is a metaphor for Elon Musk and rich guys doing what they want, flying to space, etc. Kind of a, a, a simple uh, uh, analogy there, but sure. Yeah. 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 Well, this podcast will not be sponsored by Tesla or SpaceX anytime <laughs> in the near future. So I'm fine with that. That's fine. <laughs> I don't, can, I don't they've want already money ruined fun. our entire city. So I'm good. <laughs> I was telling Clyde, like, I, I so want to move to LA and be, be there with you, man. So bad. Listen. All these people are ruining Austin. <laughs> Listen, I don't know that there's a perfect place on the planet. So don't come here thinking that it's perfect. It's got its own issues. Good yeah. point. Every everywhere's got its thing. Everybody's got its thing. You just is do sucks. their things like you. <laughs> it sucks being the focus of this particular evil genius in this point of time. <laughs> you like know, and, and I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting a double because not only is he here in Austin, he is in my hometown of Brownsville, destroying um, the. Pr- <sighs> Destroying the hidden beach that we all love, Boca Chica Beach, the beach where no tourists would go. It was just this beautiful, natural beach. There were, there was no, uh, no buildings around it. It was just <laughs> such a beautiful, natural place. I'm not laughing at you. I was just laughing. Someone put in the comments, "Canada has snow," and I was just, like, <laughs> I like everyone telling us yeah. where we should go. But <laughs> and now, and now, like he's there building rockets and blowing shit up and. It's awful. Nicole says, Mike, come to San Diego. I will actually be in San Diego for a week or so in a while. So, yeah. Love Maybe San I'll Diego. say hi to Nicole. San Diego is great. It's, I was yeah, just San there Diego. last week. Hey, Clyde, before we go on about this episode, Clyde, you mentioned other Star Trek shows. I've been really diving into another Star Trek show that I didn't think I would ever get into. If it has I'm a song kind, and begins with the E, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm kind of loving it. I'm kind of really enjoying my first full watch through of Star Trek Enterprise. It's been a long it, time. And, and Choopy, mm-hmm. don't don't at me or yell at me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm on season two already, baby. Season two. Trek oh, and wow. I'm, I'm, in, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know. I think my antidepressants are just like really working really well. So I'm like, cool, this show's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> you got it on lock. Um, yeah, exactly. I did want to um, ask y'all uh, and, and kind of bring up, I think, one of our, our favorite uh, points of discussion so far, which is uh, <laughs> about um, Saru and him sort of really stepping into not only I think this was like a great episode to see him working as a uh, first officer, but then also getting our the fun character development of him and Tarina. You know, I, I love him, uh, Dady. Yeah, I mean it's it's less serious than say Book and and Burnham because there's so much weight right there with that. This is to me a a great little thing that we can look to because there, two things about it. One, they are adorable. Can we just agree on that? Their little meditation moment, so cute. Yeah. And I feel like I, I love the fact that what we're doing is it's not like this isn't the you know Nielsen and Reese love hour, right? Two young pretty people. But it's a Kelpian and a Vulcan who are both, you know, up in years. I love it. Like I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, yeah, like Doug Jones is in sixties, I think. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm all for it. So I, I thought I think it's great. I love it too. It feels like organic. It feels nice. Like it feels like something that we've all wanted ever since we saw these two characters on screen together, and. It, it didn't feel like the show was trying to force it down our throats, right? They have a chemistry, they have a vibe, and they both really seem to love and not love, but like really respect each other. And one really shines a light on the other. You know, they make it's that kind of thing where I really like being around you. You make me better. Um, so it's it's good. It's a good kind of like relationship to model, right? Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. 
Yeah. And I really liked him because at first I wasn't sure when he walked in to ask Culver for for help, if it was going to be a like, oh, I really want to like talk through everything that just happened. You know, I almost lost a crew. And it's like, oh, nope, it's gossip time. We're going to be talking about our love lives. And it was very cute and adorable. Um, and I I also thought it it played I don't know. It was a nice levity point in in the episode for me. Um, I did want to bring up, though, the relationship between not to go back to Tarka, but um, between the Admiral and Tarka, because Tarka used the Admiral's code to smuggle out the extra spore drive, which to me is and he talked a lot about um, last week, their particular relationship and how they met and all that kind of stuff. And so. I thought it was interesting, not that the Admiral doesn't trust Burnham, but I feel like he's like really trying to make up for the fact that potentially something he did also screwed this up with putting so much trust into Tarka as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Vance is definitely in a place where he's feeling extreme guilt, for sure. How are you feeling about Vance? I Do you want to see more of him, Claude? I, I, I do, but I'm also aware that the ensemble has gotten large and there's still mm. a lot of plot to, to unwind, right? Like it's, it's just, it's kind of like you've got this all-star team and your bench is deep. You're just not going to see anything. Like we got a Janet Reno reference, but no, but Jet we Reno. didn't, but no jet Reno. So I said, Janet Reno, that, that'd be <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> But no jet. I mean, we also, we saw no Adira. Right. So there's a lot that we, we don't get to see this week. No um, Jet, no Adira, no Tilly. Uh, right. Yeah. No Gray. Yeah. No, no Gray. gray. Um, and, and so I think I, I, I love Vance. And I think there's a whole thing there to unwind about his guilt and his redemption and how he wants. But it feels like there's just not enough time to really dig into that and keep the plot moving because, you know, they had a, they had a plot last week where it was all meta and all about discussion. People hated that. <laughs> so um, you gotta, you gotta have space battles, but no, I, I, I think there's a whole thing there with he's, you know, and, and I think he talked about something that we just got this glimpse of, of the fact that he, his whole family situation, right? He brought his family back. He finally got to bring his family back and now he's got to send them away again. Right? Like there's a lot that you could, kind of dig into there so i like vans i'd love to see more vans but not at the sacrifice of very cool cloaked out uh spore driving battleships so yeah i i hope we get to see we got a mention of him but i really want to see david cronenberg a couple more times before the season's out i like that character i forgot his name i just call him cronenberg do we remember his name oh know. my gosh it just slipped my mind because you said his name uh yeah he he is great um well anyway here's the thing that's interesting about that though um when you bring that up because he he also plays this double role of like psychologist and there it is yeah you've got this um he's like psychologist yet he's also like you know internal affairs right it's so fascinating to me that we're seeing a lot more of colber as ship counselor and less of Kohler as chief medical officer. I'm wondering if there's going to be a gradual, like a definite shift because the other thing that surprises me a little bit is I think that the, I think Discovery's running a light crew, right? Like I think they've got more room for a few more people because they keep losing people. Like, I think you got room for Tilly, for Nan, and for a actual, either a chief medical officer or a, you know, ship's counselor. I think you can bring some more people on. Just saying. You got rooms. I mean, I, I feel time. like there's, there's, no. yeah, it's more the time because we don't have 22 episode seasons. I would not be mad with 22 episodes. I'm just saying. You wouldn't When's hurt my the feelings. the last time you've seen any television show with that big of a, of an order? It's been years. Well, I am watching Enterprise. <laughs> there's, a lot of, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of episodes. I mean, we are doing a Stargate, you know, watch <laughs> Trek adjacent. And they got a they got 20 episodes over like 10 seasons. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah. 
I think if uh, if there's that many episodes potentially, but with only 13 episodes uh, a season, I don't think yeah. we'll we'll get that uh, additional ensemble good, characters. Good call, because people like Nicole in the chat are asking how many more episodes are there. There's four, four yes. more disco episodes till the end. Maybe we're gonna have some overlap with before. the card. Oh I yeah, just, what's the schedule uh, there? I know there's some overlap. I think with it's either one or two episodes we're gonna have we're we're gonna have double headers, y'all. So uh, expect a two hour long uh, episode. <laughs> so so I, I want to see if we have a consensus, and this is gonna get us in trouble, but whatever. Um, if I know we cannot necessarily agree if we were talking about best Star Trek franchises at the top, right? I think. I think there's some discussion between probably Disco TNG, Voyager, and DS9 as what would be number one, two, three, and four, right? I don't know that we could we quite yeah. agree on that. It seems like we can agree, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna be careful about the words I use, but we can agree that Enterprise better than Picard. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yes. After watching like a season and like almost halfway to season two and seeing random episodes in the past. Yes. So far. Yes. However, we've only gotten one season of Picard. This next season looks like a blast. So that could change. Okay. So for all, all the people in the chat who are frustrated with me, I can agree that enterprise is not the worst star Trek franchise. I can agree with that. I can say that. <laughs> All right, so before we get canceled by all of Trek Twitter, which has already been all up in flames this week because uh, <laughs> Paramount got mad at all of us for sharing images from their own public <laughs> presentation that included images of the new show. Um, <laughs> y'all are, are going to get yeah. us canceled on the internet. But uh, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm li li <laughs> I, listen, think about it like this. We could say different opinions. We could, we could say all of the franchises are A plus material. We're just trying to figure out what's a like a 92. It's like the best versus and the 91. least best. The least best, right? That's all I'm saying. Guys, like you should hear what gold. Clyde when the mics are off, you should hear what Clyde says about Picard. Oh my god. I have not actually said anything about Picard. I get in trouble for talking about Enterprise. That's my issue. <laughs> Very true. That's true. Um, All right. But anything I, uh, else to say about this episode? This episode. Oh, Mariah, you're going to say something? Yeah. No, I, I just thought it, the episode was only 44 minutes long. And normally I'm all about brevity. I think you can accomplish a lot in a small amount of time moving plots forward, telling stories. We don't need a lot of like super space, but we got like a lot of battle in this episode, but it also felt very tight. Um, like we were just on the bridge or like the, the amount of scenes, scene work, you know what I mean? I felt like there's a small amount of sets, which to me means this was the budget episode. It was not a bottle episode technically. So it was the budget episode, I think, which to me signals the next four episodes are probably going to be bananas when it comes to like battle, I, special effects, fights, big group scenes, like, all of that I kind really, of stuff. I really hope that's true because this was the budget episode. Like the those chases, that those uh, starship chases that they had, when one kept popping up here and popping up there, like that was awesome. Mm -hmm. So if they could do something bigger and better than that in the next couple episodes, I'm here for it for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. But the other thing I was going to say about it being only 44 minutes long, which to me meant we had time to have book try to kick Tarka's butt. There was enough time in this episode. It was a whole like nice. There was a whole 90 second scene where book is just like staring out into space and Tarka's behind him doing some covert shit. I'm like, turn around, right. punch him in the face for, for oh. someone who's so angry and in grief. He's not as punchy as I'd like him to be, especially <laughs> in the realm of Tarka. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. And and I think that he could take him. It's not gonna be that hard. Like I also my money's on book. If there was like a squirmish and somehow like Tarka like phased book, and then we've got like an injured book, and then we have Tarka breaking the rules, like it adds some more like some more stakes to it for me. I don't know. 
I mean, I know it's like the fate of the galaxy should probably be enough stakes, but I want more. <laughs> I like how the chat is just still talking about Enterprise. And yeah. <laughs> and, me. and I've lost all my friends. <laughs> Next week, there's going to be a petition to kick me off the show. They're going to bring Grant back. Send Clyde to wherever Grant is. Yeah. I mean, hey, Clyde, maybe maybe um, we should get our patrons to pick out some enterprise episodes and you and I can watch them together and we'll, we'll have a podcast on that. Well, I mean, I was participating in the whole Wednesday night enterprise watch along. I'm going to go back. I've agreed in the chat. I'm gonna go back and watch, you know, between now and next week, I'm going to do three enterprise episodes. I think I left off in somewhere in season three toward the end of season three, I'm going to catch up and who knows next week I'll probably come in and be like, you know what? Enterprise <laughs> quality stuff. Hey, patrons, let me know what episode of enterprise you're on. Are you guys going uh, I think they're finished. In order? They they finished. Oh, they finished. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm behind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. Before we go, um, Mariah, can you tell everybody how to support the pod? Yeah. So you can visit StarTrekPod.co where you can find all the links to subscribe to the podcast, the audio version, or the videos. Uh, you can also subscribe on YouTube. Uh, links are at StarTrekPod.co. Hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live. You can also go to Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod to become a patron for just $2 an episode. You can join us in the Slack channel. Um, and reading this out loud, maybe remember that I already recorded a second comic book episode, but I have not edited yet. So that will be coming soon soon um i just have to slap that together but uh if you want to talk about some of the discovery comic books we've got those uh bonus podcast episodes coming out with some of our friends over at strange new pod myself uh Brittany, and giraffe have been chatting about those so that's been really fun um yeah i think that's all the ways that you can support us all right thanks for tuning in we'll be back soon uh next week for to cover the rest of discovery this season um yeah we'll be That's back it. soon we'll and i back. guess we're gonna cover we'll figure out what we're gonna do with the card because i do want to cover that for sure yeah, yeah. And, um, and i i also want to say hey look and if you haven't had enough of making fun of me or yelling at me for two bucks an episode you can come hang out at our patreon um and then yell at me some more if you, you can want. do that oh and i was going to mention we're also participating in uh picard week uh, which is a uh, strange new pod has been putting together. So keep an eye on all the social channels for updates on that schedule. And you can check out uh, some of our Picard chit chat. All right. I think that's all we got. Live long and prosper. Bye.